0: So I thought I'd go over a prophecy about this being the year of the believer, named um, <clears throat> amen, and uh, we've had some confirming uh, prophecies that you know, some of them, uh, the, the prophecy really flows from the vision of the prophet and they're like streams of vision you know how you if you close one eye you can only see much so much you open them both you can see more and so but you both see the same thing you know this eye can see what this one can to a degree and so you'll have uh, little streams of thought coming through other prophecies that tend to confirm or uh, kind of go in line with what what is uh, being spoken here. And uh, um, I uh, read that uh, uh, Shannon sent me a, a, a prophecy she found online, Miriam Hellman uh, gave it, and she looks a lot at um, different kinds of destruction that are going to come. And we heard that last year about, You know, and and it never comes to the believer, though. You know, as long as you're holding on to God, I mean, he's not going to destroy anything valuable. God's not crazy, okay? And so we are of great value to him. And so he preserves those things that are of great value. Uh, But what we saw last year as far as misfortune coming uh, or misfortune coming to some uh, that's still going on because you know when when that revelation opens up, it continues as long as people continue in that vein. So God's spoken on those things, but what she did see was uh, a great wealth of knowledge coming to believers, a great opportunity for believers, a, a great uh, day for the church uh, because the church would be spared uh, many of these catastrophes and, and great wisdom coming into the church, knowledge and these kinds of things. So I think it's going still and always is going to be a great time for believers. But I believe that God wants to make sure that when he uh, sets us in the place of, of ministry and in the place of doing what he has called us to do, that we are fit for the job, Uh, that we stay with the job, and that the power of God that we're using to help people does not work adversely on us and doesn't destroy us. You got me? And so one of the things that I've seen uh, that has happened is God has shown how um, getting ahead of where he's taking people can cause them great harm. Uh, We see that with people who have... um, uh, gone to excess in the material realm in churches, uh, people who have gone to excess and trying to build numbers of people uh, instead of making sure that uh, people know God and people are well taught and people are are, um, uh, equipped to do the work of the ministry and not just kind of pinned in you know how some uh some churches are just uh kind of holding places for people there they just come and they they get a pep talk and then they go out again the same it's not an equipping place and so what we have seen is that people have equated large numbers with success in god and we know that that's not always true. Now there are times when the anointing will pull in the numbers, but many of of these places are being built on television uh exposure uh television offerings uh things that man can do to increase and make sure people you know get in the door and so we've seen kind of this um this bit of fragileness, I guess, and weakness in the church that gets exposed very quickly when there's pressure that comes upon a people. You know, Uh, when there's pressure that comes, you better make sure your foundation is sturdy and your foundation is sure uh, because you'll crack under that pressure. So we've seen many people that we thought were successful we saw that they couldn't really hold up under the pressure and the scrutiny of uh, what they have created uh, in the natural from a natural perspective and so god has though withheld his bride from reproducing in great numbers and that's what i have seen in this prophecy that we've gotten it says 2014 this is the year of the believer This is the year of the believer, says the Spirit of God. How many of you here believe, well, this is your year? Rejoice because this is your year, says the Spirit of God. And he says, amen. The reason you are slow to rejoice is because you've been bound for so many years. Now, part of the binding has to do with um, false things that we have believed that have not been true of us. And so we all have to deal with a certain degree of that. So we've all labored to renew our minds in the word of God and be transformed and understand who we are and what we're here for, all of that. We've all labored to get that understanding of our identity clear. And so as we've labored, God has withheld certain things from us because we couldn't hold up under the pressure of the anointing that would take us propel us into the place where God wants us to be does that make sense to anybody and and I think I think you know what we've done is tasted of the things of God and gotten a taste of it and in and, and evaluated what we had and evaluated uh what we could do maybe for god and we've we've been afraid to dream big dreams and we've been afraid to let the reality of who we are really settle in on us. And so and God has respected that and he's allowed us to grow a bit under the understanding of who we are under the image of Christ under understanding that we're not just sinners saved by grace. We're not cheap people. You got me And so I think the value, if nothing else, the value of the believer should be known to him by now. We should know that we are important to God. We should know that what it means to be blood bought, that nobody can buy you back again that the devil can't just pull you and do what he wants to do and he can't deceive you and you're not afraid of losing your salvation and you're not holding on to some doctrine once saved, always saved is your security. You know God, you see. And so your identity comes from knowing God. It doesn't come from doctrine. It doesn't come from what somebody preaches. It comes from you knowing him. And so God has given us enough time to know him, see, and and because we have time to know him, we don't feel pushed and rushed to go out and create something that we call ministry or that we call a church or that we call anything. We've spent our time in the secret place getting to know him and getting to know who we are before we go out and try to create something made in our image because you gotta know who you are before you can create something that you'll desire to work with, you got Amen. me? That you'll be proud of. And so I believe the bride is is ready to take on more, because many of us understand as much as we can about where we've been so far. We We understand enough to go on without taking a bunch of religion with us, without taking a bunch of nonsense with us, we've shaken off the shackles that we can shake off. And so now the only thing that's left is the restraint of God. And when God is ready to loose us to do what he wants us to do, we're free to go. Because we're not hindered by insecurity, lack of identity, uh, pride and and embarrassment about this, and I got to be that, and I got to go here, and I got to... We're not we're not children anymore let's put it that way and so we've come to a place now where where god is saying that he is ready to release us into greater things because our heads won't be turned one way or the other by the greatness of the god that's working through us see see, this is a good thing it's a good thing because he wants his bride to know who she is but not have to, is not so insecure that she's got to tell everybody five times a day, you know, I I went to so-and-so's meeting, or I'm ordained by this person, or do you know that person, or that, we're not insecure like that. But we know God, see, and we know we know God, amen? So when we talk about a believer here, uh, the Lord told me to share with you that the word believer is synonymous with bride, So you're not somebody who believes the Bible as a piece of paper that you put your trust in as some kind of contract, but you have a relationship with the creator of the contract. So not only are you believing, but you believed yourself into a relationship with the maker of the contract. So you're the bride. When you have relationship, certain uh, privileges are beyond question. You don't question certain things. When you're in relationship, uh, nobody has to keep convincing you that they love you. You got me? You know that. You know that. You don't take it for granted, but you have a surety. There's something in you that used to not be certain, but now you're certain. You're rock solid, and it's been tested enough now that you don't feel you have to question it or test it anymore. You know what I'm saying? You, you can leave that alone. You know? It's like you know, people, when they're newly married, they do what I call game playing. You know? It's, they try to mess each other's heads up constantly because they're not sure. But once, you know, the you know, where you used to be a a, a size uh, medium, now you're larger extra large and he is two, he had two X or three. Once all of that is known to each other, the game plan stops. You understand what I'm saying? I, he ain't going nowhere because he looked too married. I ain't going nowhere because I look too married. Don't nobody else want us, so we might as well quit the games and start loving each other and get along. And so I believe that's, that's where God's brought us to a level of maturity. Not that we're comfortable and not that we're casual with God. We still have a healthy respect for him and he for us, you got me? Uh, it's a, a settling and a knowing, but not to take advantage of, you got me? It's, it's like a young women when they're, they're young and pretty and a lot of men are chasing them. They like it if they have a guy who's scared they're gonna go someplace else, you got me? We don't play like that. There's a respect there, you yeah. got me? And so when that respect is there, we, we don't cross a certain line, you got me? Uh, sometimes you can get caught up in, in a, a relationship of distance with God, you know, you don't realize how far you stepped away from, from having, you know, frequent frequent fellowship with God in the secret place. And little by little, your heart gets pulled somewhere else. And when you have respect, though, you didn't do it on purpose. You didn't just get mad at God one day and say, I'm going to see that's what what being immature does. You get mad and you decide you're just going to go spend some time with somebody else to make God jealous. When believers drift off, it's because it's something in them that that they don't know how to gain back what they had that they enjoyed with the lord you understand what i'm saying and that's a totally different thing that's why there are certain people when they when they have difficulties in their marriage after a certain number of years it's easy to minister and bring them back into relationship because there's something there that they respect the respect is not gone when respect is gone then you got to dig a little deeper to try to bring that back and bring him well with us respect never left for God. We didn't just go off somewhere because we didn't want to serve God anymore, we were disappointed in him. What happens sometimes is people lose their footing because of different things entering in. That what the Bible says about about the word it's not as fruitful in us because of of the deceitfulness of riches the lust of different things a lot of things crowding in on the relationship the but the respect for god is still there See, the respect is still there and that's what we have to build on the respect is still there we have not disrespected god by coming to church and pretending not to be fornicating and we were fornicating you got me we have not disrespected god in in cheating on our offering and our giving try to pretend like we're still givers we we we're not doing that we still have the respect there are some basic things that we once devoted to god that we don't take back and and that's what it that's what the respect is you see and so if we can keep our footing like that and we can keep that level of respect then we build on to a greater level of maturity See, maturity comes because we hold on to the respect and we hold on to the love and we hold on to the relationship and never let that go. We never ever ever get to the point, say like where we we get mad at other believers and 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 start mocking and betraying and all that kind of stuff. You know sometimes it can be just as simple as um it, taking a being late a few minutes because certain people don't come on time either. You got me? See, you let little things like that start, it it eats away at the respect you have for God. See, you're not getting even with people, you're disrespecting God. And see, if the devil can, can, can deceive you into thinking that you're hurting somebody by coming to church late, You see how easy it can, you would start eroding the respect you have for him. That's his house you come into. He's the one who's been waiting since the doors open for you to show up so that he can minister to you. You got me? So when you think about it, there's a lot we got to repent of and a lot of growing we got to do too, folks. But God is ready to pour out on us because he's a forgiving and a loving God. And he understands our weakness. He understands we all are a little soft in the brain. You got me? He understands that. He understands how easy it is to make excuses for sloppiness and to believe them. You got me? And so he is ready now to help us to shake that off so that we can go ahead and, and live a life of, of mutual respect in God. As much as you respect him, he will respect you. As much as you respect him, he will respect you. There have to be some things that you don't do. You got me? You got to draw a line. Just like married people, there's some things you don't do. You know, you don't openly flirt with somebody in front of your husband or wife. I know that's real distasteful to me to think that. And as a Christian, you don't think that. But look at all the people in the world that do that. You got me? And provoke one another, all that kind of stuff. So we have to learn how to be faithful to vows we made to God, you know, many years ago. Many years ago. You don't change them. Once God gives you a position and once he gives you a place. You don't change your vows. You keep your vows. There were things you said to God that you were never going to do. Or things you said to God you were always going to do for him. And he expects us to do those things. They don't get old after a while. They just don't get old. And so this is what we mean about maturity. This is what we mean about being able to carry the anointing and carry the power and carry ministry the way God wants us to. Many of us think we're called to a pulpit ministry. I don't know why. You know, why would you ever? I never dreamt that in my wildest dreams. That was never anything that I wanted. But see, in the world of religion, it's very coveted and sought after. Look at all the believers you could could lead to christ you know i was thinking the other day what uh jan johnson was telling me about our friend jerry the lady that that i heard her testimony and and from her testimony i i was able to understand the gospel and to receive christ and she said at, at jerry's home going she said there were ministers she had a gift for finding ministers and lead them to the lord And she said, these people, there were people with churches there. There were people, you know, just the most prominent looking individuals. Well, yeah, Jerry, I met Jerry so-and-so, and and she shared Christ with me, and that's how I got saved. Do you understand? So any job you do for God, folks, because it's for God, it's a big job. I don't care what you think about what you do people who think they don't have to do certain things you like you grow up and you don't touch that anymore you don't do that anymore you don't bend down anymore you don't humble yourself anymore you're missing you miss you you forgot your value made to god there was a time you told god you would do anything for him and now the devil's gotten in your mind and twisted it and made you think that because you think you're in a certain position, you don't have to do certain things anymore. You understand me? And so these things, folks, the bride's got to grow out of. We still got more growing to do. But these things are small things for God because we just named several things that we do on a regular that the devil's deceived us into thinking are okay, and they're not okay. See, they're not okay. Because they tell on you after a while. Because if if... If you don't give God honor and respect, he can't come to you in your time of need. You got me? You got me? People who can't find church on time can't find that healing they need in a, in a moment's notice. Do you understand me? And I'm, I'm the pastor here, and I, I know the difference. See, I see the difference. I observe how people who respond to God, the quick responders, how they live. The quick responders, what they get. The quick responders, the people who carry that dignity and respect for God all the time. How do they live versus people who are a little sloppy? Who don't quite, can't get it, always got an excuse for something. You understand me? They're waiting for what they need in the now. Say amen, somebody. You understand? It's time to grow up, folks, and cut this out. Because if you can be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour late, you can be on time. You're on time when you have to punch in and get that paycheck. This is more, this is more than your paycheck. You got me? This is your very life right here. Some of you who work so hard could get released from a job if God could get you to grow up some so he could put enough power on you to really move for him. He'll move mountains for you if you move for him. You got me? And so we're going to see these things, folks. We're going to see God doing these things for people. We're going to see God doing these things through people because he is taking the restraint off. The restraint was never put on by us. It was always put on by God. You belong to him first and foremost. It's not the devil who's keeping you from doing your ministry, and I'm certainly not keeping you from doing it. God's keeping you from doing it because he's, he's getting you to a position where you can carry what it is that he has for you to carry. You don't know where he might position you. You don't know where he might place you. But he'll place you where you need to be, and you'll be fully equipped to do the job that he has for you there. So that, And that's all we want, folks. We don't want to be known. We don't want to be seen. We want to do the master's will. That's what you want. You don't want all this other nonsense. So we've, and we've been bound by man's traditions, many of us, bound by religion, bound by cautions and warnings, false prophecies, and true ones. So they're true prophecies that have kept us from stepping out and doing things because we've been restrained by God from doing the things that we're not equipped yet to do. And so he says, but this year, I'm releasing believers to do what I've called them to do. I've called you to be as I would be in the earth. And that starts with your character. That starts with your character. For many of you watch and see dying humanity, wasted humanity, and hurting humanity. Unloved and uncared for humanity. And I know we all see a lot of that. But we don't quite know what to do to reach them. It's like there's no open door to speak. There's no open open door to zero in on, on the problem and get it resolved. There's no open door there but God is removing that restriction and he says you don't know how to minister them says the spirit of God but deep within you there's an understanding of what they need see it's just in in fragments and pieces so the anointing really pulls that together all of that knowledge that you have inside of you the the uh, anointing pulls it together and it forms the word of knowledge and it forms the word of wisdom it, re, it forms prophecy and gifts of healing and all of the gifts of the spirit and yeah this is a work that you must know that god will give you what you need in order to do the job you can't hold back because of what you think you can't do that that see that that identity thing has got to be settled it's got to be settled. You've got to believe that if God put me here before this person, I am the one who's equipped to do the job. And you step into the role of doing the job. You're a believer, but you're also the bride. So you have a knowledge of him intimately, and you understand him, and he understands you. And you know that he trusts you to do his work and to do his will. And so there's, there's room for believers to grow and to mature <clears throat> true prophecies have re- restrained the bride who is not mature enough yet. we said that, and I found an example of this in the song of Solomon in um chapter eight. You know what I meant to get my my little Bible. I wanted to read a different translation for you guys aye, 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 aye. yeah, you got the um that bible thing on the phone. Yeah, is yours the same as mine? Yeah, you version. Yeah, let me let me look at yours for a second. Look at Song of Solomon 8 verse 8 if they'll let you look it up. They half the time they tell you it ain't available. <laughs> of course it's free. ESV if they have it on there. I think that's the one I was looking at. <clears throat> Uh uh-huh eight let's see how do I switch the version I think it might be message Let's see, that was I reading. Um, I think this is the one. So this is, this is the immature uh, bride. In Song of Solomon 8.8, 8, in the King James, it says we have a little sister who has no breasts. That means that she's not mature enough for childbearing. That's been the bride of Christ for so long. You got me? She looks attractive but not quite mature. That's how it's told that you're ready to, uh, to start your courtship or, or the family can arrange for you to be married. You look at the physical attributes of, or physical development of the young woman. And it says in, verse, in this translation, it says, My brothers used to worry about me. Uh, Our little sister has no breasts. What shall we do with our little sister when men come asking for her? See, she's, she's of age but not mature. See, that's the bride of Christ. We've been like that. We've been looking like we're ready to do the work of the ministry, but we can't sustain it. Got me? Because if you bear a child and can't nurse it and nurture it, then it will die. And so that's been us for the longest time. And it says she is a virgin and vulnerable and we'll protect her. Mm -hmm. If they think she's a wall, we'll top it with barbed wire. If they think she's a door, we'll barricade it. So that's (laughs) God's protection. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Shannon. That's been God's restraint on us. So we've been restrained by the hand of God. We look mature to ourselves and everybody else. And boy, can we talk a good game, can't we? But look at the ones who have tried to step out and do great things for God. Everybody talks mega, and mega folds so fast, and the people who have mega get bored with it and wanna run off and do something else all of a sudden. And so there's this lack of maturity there that has been there. And so people have been expecting great things from the church, but in in reality, we haven't been mature enough to, number one, conceive and bring forth anything and number two, to nurture it once it's here. And not only is that true for the church, but the parallel in the world is the young girls that have babies out of wedlock. They can't take care of them. They've got to put him in daycare so somebody can take care of them for them and they just go and get a job at Burger King or whatever and find somebody to take care of that baby for them because they realize they don't have the maturity or the equipment to care for that. So you'll see parallels, spiritual truths run parallel. So you'll see evidence of it in the natural realm to show that people, people, what God is saying about the spirit realm period about people's maturity uh, is not where it needs to be so everybody's kind of jumping out trying to do more than they're able to do and they're equipped to do and so uh, god is saying so we've been protected and restrained from bringing forth but maturity has come To bear fruit. And God says this year I'm releasing believers to do what I've called them to do. I've called you to be as I would be in the earth. Many of you watch and see dying humanity, wasted humanity, so forth and so on. And you don't know how to minister to them. But deep within you there's an understanding of what they need. So really the answer is within us, but it's in a seed form. It's not quite formed and not quite put together yet. There's been no unction, no moving. Just like if, if a woman uh, gets to seven months and gets anxious. You know, that's a bad time to get anxious about having your baby because you got a long time to wait. You... Yes. You better, might as well go think about something else, go knit another scarf or do something. But that's a, a, a kind of a difficult time because it's not even near ready time yet. And so, but there's no unction, no moving, no labor pains to start the process because what's inside her is not mature enough yet to survive on its own. And that's what God's talking about with the move of God. So, no pulling it all together to make it who you are and make it fit in with where you are and make it uh, make it the ease that the anointing brings and so when spiritual maturity comes in the full that 's when the labor pains come forth you know that you can you can be in a supermarket and God will begin to speak to you about somebody who has not yet come in the store yet. And you're looking for that person and you might have to wait around, but you're sure that you're, you know that you know that you know that what God showed you is going to happen and happen real soon. And so these things are the things that are the beginnings of the birth pangs where we know that God is up to something. We know we're not done yet. We know the show's not over yet. God's not through with us yet. We're not just waiting on some answer to prayer to make us happy, but we're waiting on something much bigger than that. It's something much bigger than what we ever could imagine. So he says, this year I'm beginning to release my people, just release here and there, release here and release there the anointing The confidence, the oil. And I think that's where we've been lacking is the confidence. Because I think what many people are building on is some kind of false confidence. They get a prophecy here. They get a word there. Somebody encourages them here. It's all external. Nothing's coming from their spirit where it's being built the way it's supposed to be built. He says that oil will make what you do easy making it easy means that we have uh, conceived little bit by little bit and allowed the knowledge of God to permeate our lives so we actually live this life we're not we're not living some kind of junk way and then we step out and want to minister to people we live this way this is how we live this is what we believe this is what we are are wanting God to use us for uh, we encourage people In the kingdom all the time, we're always looking for opportunities to share Christ with people. We're looking for opportunities to encourage people that God loves and wants. Well, that's been building in us all along. And so God lets it build to a point where it's totally formed and then he releases us into it. And so this is what he wants to do with us. And and those who live this are the ones he will crown with their anointing so that they can do it with ease. It'll come all together for them. It'll be easy for them, and they'll and it'll change lives when, when they walk in it. He says, you no longer walk past a soul and wonder. You know that thing that hits you on the inside? Should I talk to them? Do, they, do I know if they know God? Maybe I should have said something to somebody, and I walk past all the people in the supermarket and never said anything to anybody, that kind of thing. He said, there'll be no more wonderings says the lord there will be a knowing because you're drawn to me and i am doing this i'm drawing you to you to me and you spend time with me and you begin to take on my image you begin to take on who you really are and so this this business of not knowing what god wants me to do or uh, not knowing my gift and you know all this confusion that people used to walk in you know it won't be any more of that. People are certain because they're certain uh, of God and they know God and they know he loves them. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, I'm sorry, Hebrews 8:11, 11 says that we will no longer tell people know the Lord, but we will know him from the least to the greatest. So the knowledge of God must increase in the earth. It must increase in the earth. And it will increase on anybody who wants to know God. So revelation won't be a rare thing or a private thing. This will be something God will give to everybody because they seek him. And they, they, their reward is that God reveals himself to them. So Hebrews eight eleven, They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he will make, that he had made the first old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. So this is part of the new covenant promise that we can all know the Lord because he, he dwells within us. He makes himself accessible and available to us. And it's not hard to know God. This business of people, uh, you know, making things hard for people, you know, um, I see, you know, sometimes people, you know, you see it at first of the year, everybody's going on some kind of fast and, you know, some kind of prayer thing and, And it's kind of like, man, you know, if you wait once a year, you'll, you'll, how's your spirit make it from year to year? You know, I mean, come on now. This is, it's kind of like an automatic thing. Uh, When God draws you away, you're drawn away by him. You know, you don't, you don't have to not eat. You just don't think about it because God's with you and, and he takes your attention. You know, the same thing with prayer. You know, the unction to pray helps you. It's not a hard thing where you got to force yourself. Um, I know people have said things like that, but I just, I don't know, maybe I'm not praying like I should or something, but anyway, is you know what I'm saying, he makes you wonder. Uh, it's not that hard. All i got to do is stop doing what I'm doing and give myself over to God, and he's right there to help me with these things. And so I think that identity of knowing that God wants you in his presence, you know, to know that you're welcome there is something that people really, really need to come into. If you haven't come into it, I think that knowledge of of God desiring us will come in a greater fashion. Uh, I'm so thankful for the prophecies that he's given us about the bride over the years to get us comfortable knowing that we're loved. And to get us comfortable knowing that we're wanted, that we are cherished, that we're important to him, uh, that he wants to give good things to us, uh, you know, all of those things um, that, that we, we kind of find alien to, you know, to God. Now, I make jokes about my, my late husband, but he was really a nice, generous guy, but he wasn't stupid. Because he kind of had that feeling that if I get too generous, she'd take it all. You got me? You understand what I'm saying? Where the flesh comes in and you have to restrain something because the flesh is going to overtake. Well, with God, we don't have that. It's spirit to spirit. So he freely, in fact, the problem God has with most of us is convincing us that he wants us to have the things that he has given us, you know? And I think it's in, let me tell you where I see it the most, where I see the most unbelief about God's provision is, is in people who talk about prosperity all the time. I think they talk about it because they're trying to convince themselves. And many of them are trying to justify an opulent lifestyle because they, they don't really believe that God will give it to them. So they have to. Preach it, extract it from people, press people, show people what they have and all of that. It's 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 not clean. It's not where you know that you know that you know and you don't have to go around and you don't have to be ashamed either. You understand what I'm saying? You have a clear understanding of God's provision. You know what he's blessed you with. You know that he's provided and you can encourage people that it's for them as well. You got me? With no works, no craziness, you got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. and this. No, you just have to believe God. You just have to have a relationship with God. You just have to know that God loves you and that if you will believe in Him and trust in Him and walk out a life of obedience to Him because you love Him, not because you're trying to get something from Him, then God will bless you. It, It has to be a pure thing. It can't be A manipulation or a twist in there it's got to be a pure thing sometimes you know we get away with little things like i'm gonna go sow some seeds so god will bless me you should be a a, your life should be sown to god you know you shouldn't have to go make it a special project you know and it's always when you don't have anything well think about this if you did it all the time you wouldn't have in periods where you don't have anything see if your life were a continual seed sown you wouldn't have lack Anywhere. Y'all don't know how to be in love. That's the biggest problem with people is they love kind of drives them nuts. They don't trust it. They don't trust it. See, 15 minutes looking at a man on a bloody cross should convince you. It should convince you. If you can go back there, you can be convinced. You can be convinced. And, and if he did that when you were his enemy, how much more will he give, you know, that now that you love him and you serve him? See? It says, in no man's tradition, nothing can stop this because it's a pure anointing. It comes from, from God to you. Out of relationship. It's not dependent on somebody's steps and formulas. You got me? That you got ingrained in your brain. This comes out of revelation relationship. Face to face encounter. Where you're not ashamed anymore. And you know he's caused you to measure up. That you belong there. See? You belong there. With human beings it's a marriage. Not an engagement ring. I see these women go crazy cuz a man gives them a ring. You know, you ain't married yet. Huh? Let me let me see you be as ecstatic once you've been married for a few years. <laughs> let me see the ecstasy then. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Sit up, look at that ring we'll throw it across the room. That brother sitting up there slobbering, and snorting and Looking like, uh, who is that, um, oh jeez, the married with children guy. At five in the morning, he's on, you flip it on and he's on there. Al Bundy. With one hand in his pants and the other one on the remote control. Right? That's what you were doing flips for because you got a ring. (laughs) Yeah, get ecstatic now. Where's your ecstasy now? All right. So anyway, <laughs> but that's different than the marriage. Yes. You got me. The marriage is really what the ring represents. Yeah. So the ring is, you know, I mean now don't get me wrong, ladies. Now don't don't let that brother give you no. <laughs> don't go there with me. That really ticks me off. Uh CZ and you know, or got somebody in the family to buy it for him and all that all kind of stuff, no, no. Just so he could fool you. So he could see you flip out. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> God is saying here, no man's tradition, nothing can stop this because it's a pure anointing. It comes out of relationship between you and God. You know him, he knows you. This is the oil that poured down Aaron's beard. And it came down to his robes, covered the whole body. It is for the whole body of Christ. No big people, no little people. It's for the whole of the body of Christ. If you're a a toenail on the body, you get just as much as the head got. You got me? You get the same anointing. It's a pure thing. And he says, for I have a priesthood that is waiting for the release. See, we haven't given up on doing what God we haven't given up on end time uh, prophecies we haven't given up on being the remnant people that God will, will pull out of this world and out of the church and out of religion out of false doctrine extreme doctrine extravagant doctrine all of all of that stuff and shake that off of us and come into a knowledge of who he really is that's that's what he says and this is what I refer to as a remnant people got me He says, many of you could have gone out and started something false, like many have. But you have too much love and too much respect for me. How many times have we been told, oh, you know, uh, uh, God wants to use you to do so and so and such and such. And I have not moved. You know what I'm saying? Because I know what God's called us to do. And I know that we're waiting for God to give us the direction. We're just biding our time doing the same thing we've always done, being faithful to God. Having come in, there have been many times people have asked me, well, you know, if I want to come and give a presentation. Says, nope, we present the gospel, and that's Amen. it, you know, and we don't, Amen. you know, there are people that lost their churches, can't even get property now because of inviting the wrong person in and and those people were frauds and but it looked like god to them because they were promising people everything and so if you can't get it between yourself and god it's not for you so you want them to have the real thing because you have the real thing says the spirit of god so and he says and this is a call to what many refer to as remnant people but these are my real people I'd rather call you real because there will be so many of you here that you will begin to birth more real, more real, more real, more real, and more real. So the numbers of real people will increase so that the religion and the false will fall into the background. Well, now we got the religion and the false up in the forefront, but that will be the backdrop, and the real will stand and come forth. Amen. And they'll begin to come forth as a mighty army, and nothing will be able to stop them. Nothing, nobody, no way, no how. And you'll see Joel 3 come to pass. They'll run like mighty men, rush the wall like men of war, climb through the window like a thief. We fall on a sword, it won't hurt us. Everybody will walk in his rank. We won't break ranks, we'll know who we are. He says, and you're seeing glimpses of it here and there. You've seen some of my real people step out and get hit and defeated but I'm raising up a new people, Doug Dynasty. Man. Can you believe it, says the Lord, millionaires who make quackers and they stand up taller than some of my so-called mighty men in the kingdom. And you know what? They, called? they caused a whole network to bow to the word of God. You got me? They caused a whole network to bow to the word of God. You see, Doug and Beth were the first remnant type people to come out and and make it known that they love God and serve God. And see, they got a little bit up. A and E saw what they could do to them and intimidate them, and then they try it again. But the second group that comes forth comes forth stronger. You see what yeah. I'm saying? It's never as easy with the one that comes after than the one that came the first time. And so... Watch things like this. Yeah. Observe things like this, folks. When you see Christians in, in places of prominence, you see um, uh, uh, the, um, what do you call it? What's a TLC channel? Is that where the um, Kate plus eight and John? And, and, and see, they weren't mature. Our little sister that has no breasts, that was them. They were just getting started as Christians and they got they they propelled themselves up there because they kept saying yes to people, yes, yes, yes. And when they got there, they weren't strong enough because they didn't have enough of identity, of God identity in them to go forward in what they were trying to do. And so we have to observe and see how important it is to wait in that place where God has you so that you can be the person that he wants you to be and you can be the one that that can get in there and withstand and you can be the one that gets in there with the word of the lord that he needs for that hour and so these are very very important uh, things to observe and things to take note of is how are my people doing god How are our people doing in the different places where you position them? How are are the believers doing in the places where you've put them? And so when we see these things, take note and and get an understanding of what God is doing and how he's going to move. So he says here, this is the believer's hour. Take my word for it. It is the believer's hour, says the Spirit of God. And you will see obscure people come and rise up and do mighty and great things and maybe never be heard from again because this is the way I orchestrate things. I don't have anybody dominating. I am the head of the church. I am the head of the church. And you will see many who thought they had the message sit down and bow to the greater message because it'll be so pure they won't be able to speak against it. And in Luke uh, 21, that's what Jesus, those are the words of Jesus, <clears throat> Luke 21, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples about the coming persecution, about their ministry on the earth, about their role here on the earth. In uh, Luke uh, 21 and verse 22, it says, And these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to them that are with child and to them that are nursing in those days, where they shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. Yeah, hold on. I'm sorry, fifteen. I'm sorry. <laughs> he says verse ten nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, that means unusual places. Famines, pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogues and prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your heart. See, that's the mature bride. She got it settled in her heart, what she's going to do. She got it settled already. Not to meditate beforehand what you're going to answer. Don't try to figure it out. And figure out what you're going to say to somebody. He says, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So they won't be able to talk over you or confound you. Oprah Winfrey won't be able to stump any preacher that comes and make them stutter and swallow their words. They stutter and swallow their words because they think they're just in a friendly conversation to promote their next book. But really, they're there to witness for Christ. And they've already got an orchestrated speech. They've already got pat answers. And that's why they get intimidated and that's why they get confounded. But Jesus said, if you get called up to speak for me, don't try to figure out in advance. He said, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom. What we need is a mouth and wisdom, and we need total trust in God to be there for us, and we don't have to think about any pat answers ahead of time. And so he says, this is my real bride. See, the real bride, her meat is to do the will of him who sent us. This is the one that I've adorned in the secret place. This is the one who has the real jewels, the real crowns, the real dress. This is the real thing. You are the real deal, says the Spirit of God. And oh, the excitement in my heart to release you into the earth. See, this is what excites the Lord. That he can crown us with, with things that will cause us not so much material things of this earth. You got me? Uh, that's easy to do. But he's talking about real Uh, precious things eternally precious things he said these are the real crowns the real dress this is the real thing you are the real deal says the spirit of god And this is excitement for this is a personal thing between me and you. That's why nobody can stop it, says the Lord. That's why nobody can stop you laying hands on a sick person. Nobody can stop you praying for somebody to get delivered. Nobody can stop you helping hurting humanity because this is a personal thing between me and you, says the Spirit of God. And I will release you with an unction and an anointing and an ability to discern and an ability to know how to function what to say what to do and it'll work says the spirit of god you won't have that nagging fear what if i do it and it's not you you'll know it's me because you know me Amen. see the problem has been we don't have enough knowledge of the giver yes. Amen. but we will you got me we will god will release that knowledge to us He says, so rejoice, believer, because this is your hour. This is your hour for anointing power. This is your hour for anointing power. And it begins in the realm of prayer, just as you are now, says the Lord. Don't slack on the prayer, folks. Don't slack. Gain strength through the corporate anointing, gain strength through the anointing that's on your brother. Gain strength through the anointing that's on the minister. Gain strength through the anointing on the ones that I put you in the company of, says the Spirit of God. And as you make contact with my body, one piece, one piece, and one piece, it'll come together as a tremendous force of power in the earth that will not be stopped. It will not be stopped. And you know, God has been saying that to us like the past couple of years that it won't be stopped. See, there'll be nothing that can stand against it. And I think we're witnessing small amounts of that. We're witnessing as people understand how to stay close to God and how to respond when they're persecuted, how to respond when they're, they're misunderstood, if they will hold their peace and stand their ground and allow god to settle these things for them and just continue to pray continue to lift it up before god continue to understand that god has them there for a reason uh they could care less what man thinks about anything they're there to to speak for god and they're there to to talk about how they live you know the uh the Dad in Duck Dynasty was just telling from his heart what he thought. This is how a Christian man feels toward a woman, and how could you feel that way about a man? He just couldn't understand it. You got me? He lives this way. And if we talk how we live, if we live for God and talk how we live, we won't have any problems out of anybody. What happens is people don't live really the way they should for God, and they try to make up what they think a Christian is supposed to sound like. And that's what's been getting them in trouble for the longest time. It's just not being who they really are and knowing their God and knowing that if they speak the truth about what God says, then, then God will back them up. He can't back up what he, he can't validate and what he didn't put in you. And so these things are very, very important to be who you are. Know who you are. Be who you are. Be a Christian. Be somebody who cares about people. Respect God. Respect your relationship with God. Spend time with God, cultivating relationship. You, no, nobody came to this ministry to get a prayer answered. Huh? You came to know God. You came to work for God. You know, take the hook out of your mouth. The prayer, getting the prayer, having a need was just the hook to get you in here. But once you got in here, you found out there was work to do. This is a, He flipped the script on everybody. You got me? And so we got to figure out, hey, God, we're here for a purpose. And let me quit brooding about what I don't have yet and what I want and what I'm supposed to have and all this other stuff. And let's just bury that. And allow God to revive it when it's time. When it's time, it'll come up. It'll be a blessing to us. Because God has ordained that for us. Just have to trust him. Quit pushing him. Quit pulling him. Quit getting frustrated and angry and tired and mad and all this kind of stuff. And just let go of your end of the rope and trust him. If you have a relationship of trust with God, that's worth everything, folks. It's worth everything. God was showing me recently... He, says, he was said, I'm pouring out the oil. So I'm pouring out the oil. And things, he said, things are going to get a lot easier for you. And I've noticed that like when we, we, got, uh, we were given that bus, and God says, you bought your last bus. He said, you're never going to buy another one again. He said, you bought one, that's enough. He said, from now on, it's, this is the oil I'm talking about. Oh, little Shannon's mom kept kept telling me. She said, "I'm gonna do something for you." And we 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 joke about it and chat about it over the years. And I I had her come up and I said, "Well, Miss Brenda, if you won't cook for me, I'm gonna cook for you. Come up here and we'll." you know, the little minister's lounge and stuff. And she came up and we had a good little time. She said, well, if you want me to do something, just, you know, let me know. And I couldn't think what it might be because the way we do the food at the conference is is just, you gotta be there, you know. And I didn't want to ask her to to do all of that. And then when the the, uh, Rejoice Detroit opportunity came up, she said, well, I can certainly do something for you. I said, praise God, because we sure need it. And that took a burden from me that I would have had to take into another meeting. And so God has made it easy. It's the oil of God. Plus He provides food and all of these other things. So I'm looking, I said, we don't even have to buy food for that meeting and how God has blessed because we've obeyed what he told us to do. You got me? And so these are things that, that God shows you out of relationship where he's promised you it's not going to be hard anymore it's not going to be you know you're plowing and plowing and plowing and seeing very little result come he said i'm going to take this the direction i want to take it and it will be easy you just have to let go of everything and trust me in it and so these are the things that that I believe we can look as a body of believers we can look forward to. It's not just for this ministry because it's a ministry, but it's for everybody here, the oil that flows. This is the oil, folks, and it flows down all the way to the bottom of the robe. I don't know where you consider yourself in the body of Christ, but it flows all over the body, and it's easy. It's not a struggle. It's not, it's not hard. You just got to learn how to let go of that and let go of your end of the rope and believe God and trust him. Even, you know, I've noticed that some people labor, 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 labor because they trust in their labor. You got to trust God. You got to trust him. Many times people think, well, I can't give like certain people give. Give where you can give. And let's see what that brings in. And then you learn to trust him with more. And you find you can give more. This isn't a hard life, folks. We make it hard because we don't trust. And we go through these terrible ordeals. And right back at square one again, starting all over again. Because we just don't know how to let go and trust God, you know. And he wants that trust. He's got to have that trust if he's going to use us. If he's going to put you places where you've never been before, he's got to know that you're going to be a Christian when you get there and a Christian when you leave. You got me? That place is not going to change you. You're going to be the same one that you were when you began as you are at the end of it. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us to know who you are. And know where we're going. And know the things that we are to be about doing. And that is our meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. That's what we're here for, Lord. To finish the work of the ministry of the believer in the earth. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, Howard, why don't you put on some music and I'll see if God's done with us. He has something for us to minister. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.